Hello there in podcast land and welcome back to Spoilers, your bad movie review show on the Rat Pack Podcast Network, where you also have lots of opinions but zero credentials. Each week we watch a movie, usually a bad one, we crack a couple jokes, we give our insight into the film, and we play a couple games at the end. I'm your host Adam, I'm joined by the maestro. <laughs> hey. And my cowboy. As always. This week, a mysterious and wild-eyed security guard for a cash truck surprises his co-workers when he unleashes precision skills during a heist. In Wrath of Men, starring Jason Statham. So, we're going to watch another movie where Statham unleashes precision skills while driving in 2002's The Transporter. This is directed by Louis Letter Leterrier and Corby Yoon. It stars Jason Statham, Kishu, Shu Chi. Shu Chi? Oh. All right, Francis Berland, Matt Schultz, and Rick Young. Here's a synopsis, and then we'll get into our thoughts about the movie. Frank Martin, who transports packages for unknown clients, is asked to move a package that soon begins moving, and complications arise. Have you seen this movie before, Maestro? Yeah, I have, of course. Yeah, I remember us talking about this at length when it came out. We were all very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboy. Uh, no, uh, heard of it, never watched it, haven't seen any of them. Uh, in fact, when be, before we watched this movie, I knew nothing about it other than I've heard of it before. Um, I was thinking it was like some sort of like futuristic. When I was thinking transporter, I wasn't thinking like somebody who transports something. I was thinking like a portal of some sort, like oh. <laughs> <laughs> a transport portal type thing. Like this guy is able to transport from here to there, you know, mm. you know, um, but uh, it wasn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't disappointed, though. Mm-hmm. So, so had you seen Jason Statham kicking ass before? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he kicks ass. This, this was the, his first kind of soiree into that realm. Although, I mean, he wasn't uh, right before this. He was with Jet Li. But I don't recall him like. Being like, wow, Amazing Fighting was kind of like, all right, you can hold your own against Jet Li, but that's it. And then in this movie, it's, oh, okay. You can uh, you can throw it down. So for, first yeah, thoughts. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty versatile. Like, he, he's flexible. Yep. Did, so, wait, did, hold on. Did he do his own stunts? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. That wasn't going to be in trivia. But, yeah. He did his own. Yeah, I know. That's fine. He did his own stunts. He's ever since the one. I think he's been really like open to modern martial arts. He's tried several times. I think his original style was either jujitsu or muay thai, or or MMA or something like that. He said he actually does some training to the point where he could hold himself in MMA too. All right. Well, since we brought it up already, uh, in trivia was going to be Jason Statham knew how to kickbox, but had to train in martial arts before shooting began. He also did most of his own stunts and all of his own, not all, almost all the driving during the chase scenes. It's pretty crazy, man. This guy really got into it. Yeah. It, um, uh, I love his character. He plays it very, very, I mean, he doesn't have to say much. Okay. And you feel the emotion in the scene. Yeah, the, the calculation, the everything being precise, it ties in with just his general persona. It, it makes sense that this guy would be that guy. That if, if, as far as portraying a character, he portrayed it very well. I think Jason Statham was perfect for this role for that reason. If they need somebody to portray that kind of stuff, he's the one to do it. 
Are you I, sure? My, it felt kind of corny, though, through, with his, like, you know, the liners he was using. I mean, it did feel kind of like it was a lot of it was, uh, what do you call it? Um, made up? Canned. <laughs> oh, canned. Canned. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there were parts where it was a little like, eh, okay. But as far, as far as the general character, the character of Frank was a good character that Jason Statham was able to play very well. Uh, in, in the same way that you get now you get John Wick as a Keanu where you didn't see him like that before. Now we see him that way. And he, he played that pretty well as far as what, what, what's needed from the character and the general persona of the person already. I, I felt like they lined up pretty well. Yeah. I'm very happy that Keanu Reeves didn't play John Wick. Like he did Neo. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, I mean, there are similarities between them, but not the, 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 the differences are, are vast. And and yeah. it makes a big difference. Where, yeah, if he played as Neo, it wouldn't it wouldn't work at all. Yeah, if he played it like he his character in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, then we would have problems. <laughs> I watched that again recently. Oh man, I don't it doesn't hold up. I don't think it holds up very well. It does not hold up <laughs> at all, dude. <laughs> oh man, I, I remember laughing at it when I was a kid, and then I'm like. I was laughing at this stuff. You know what else doesn't hold up that I think is so silly and ridiculous is Wayne's World now. I don't even want to I try. watched part of that the other day, and I was just like, yeah, no, I got to turn this off. And the only reason why I watched part of it the other day is because you see these Wayne's World commercials now out, you know, with yep, uh, with Wayne and Garth. And I'm just like, was it for Grubhub or something like that? It's something Those like that. Mates? Yeah, some, yeah, some food delivery. And, yeah, no, now I watch it, and this might be a product of me getting older, but it just seems stupid now. Yeah. Oh, man, there's a lot of those movies. We should, maybe one of these days we'll do an episode about uh, just about movies from back then and now and not holding up, and that'll be interesting. I'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, so the movie... What do you? What, if we were walking out of the theater, what was the first thing? The, the, um, the, the scene that's most what, memorable to you. What came first, Transporter or Jason Bourne? Uh, Jason Bourne, I'm sure of it. The only reason I'm asking is because like there was a, a Jason Bourne feel to Transporter. <clears throat> oh, how so? Um, in the beginning, where he's calculating, no, no, you altered the contract. You said three people, 240 kilos. I have enough gas for this, not four people. Blah. It was very calculated. Where in like Jason Bourne, he's like, I know the, the license plates to these cars. I know where they're parked. I know this person's over here. This person's wearing a hat. And I know if I had to get away, I could run flat out for 30 minutes or whatever uh, in this weather. You know, very calculated. Okay. It seemed very Jason Bourne-y. Uh, which is badass because I love Jason Bourne movies. I mean, those are awesome movies. Well, so, the Transporter very calculated. came out in 2002. Jason Bourne came out 2002. What? Wow. Yeah, it, it, it does make sense. But uh, in in the case in this case, this is all about the car, where it's he's, he's tuned into the car. Whereas I think Jason Bourne is other his brain's on a different level, just overall. Uh, where this guy, he knows I need this much fuel to get here to there, which seemed weird at one point. Like, did you not fill up the tank all the way? 
Uh, well, no, you know, he puts <laughs> enough fuel in the tank to do what he's got to do because he doesn't want too much weight because it slows down the car, drags down the car. Oh, that's so fair. he's got to take okay. the calculation of the three people he's got in there, plus the loot, plus the gas. So he puts enough fuel in there to get and do what he's got to do and drive the car. See, the guy's so in tune with the vehicle that he knows what he can and can't do at certain weights in that vehicle. But do the calculations include having a five-minute conversation in front of the building to in order to escape to get to that train in time? I, I don't think that mattered to him. Okay. Because he, he had to get to that train. I, I assume that was the plan the entire time. Get out in front of that train to cross it to lose the cops. No, I, I think that was on the fly. Oh, okay. That, that was on the fly. Um, I think he had to – his transport – was to be out of there quick and not run into all that. So by and having not that even conversation. have to deal with all of that. <laughs> so by having the conversation, he created a situation that he then had to get out of. Whereas had he just exactly. left in the first place, maybe he wouldn't have had a great situation at all. But he knows his capabilities and his abilities and what he can and can't do. I mean, several times throughout the movie, the the way they shot this movie, you see it. It kind of slows down and it's like, He's looking around. Blah, blah, blah. He's calculating everything in his head on what he's going to do. It's like a chess match. He's thinking of 12 steps, 12 moves ahead of his yeah. competition. Like the bus scene when he's on the bus and he's surrounded. Like It's almost like he had it all played out in his mind and just had to tweak a little bit here and there. Yeah. It, it was very precise choreography and movements. And everything he did looked very deliberate. Uh, in some cases, yeah. it, it almost looked too deliberate. Uh, that it, it almost seemed like he was waiting for a punch before he reacted, and that that could just be editing or, or something. That uh, you could there were there were a couple times where I was able to tell they were doing choreography versus portraying that this is an actual fight. It, was, yeah. it looked more like a dance than it did an actual fight. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, Maestro, some martial arts martial artists will study more than just one martial arts to get a gist and know how to combat one way or another. So they're also calculating as they're fighting. And it's, it's a, it's a knowledge thing, knowing what's, what could come uh, to be prepared. Well, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, most martial artists, like we know how like MMA is mainly set up with multiple types of martial arts, jiu-jitsu to kickboxing and, boxing and stuff like that and so forth wait but so it's in, not in mma they're mixing different martial arts together yes oh because that's you, what mma stands for i know you son of a. <laughs> <laughs> so um a lot of times what martial arts will do um artists will do they will try and either try and take martial other types of styles to supplement their own fighting style or at least uh, uh, try other styles to know how to react when facing a style like that. Basically to give yourself more well-rounded or in at least expecting what's going to happen. And, and um, Jason Statham's character seemed like he was such a badass in the military and stuff. He probably knows multiple levels, not, not Jason Statham, but his character knows multiple levels of fighting styles mm-hmm. to accommodate him in certain situations. Yeah. It's, I th- what what, what uh, position did they say? What kind of position he had in that film? A doggy. And, 
No. Uh, no, I don't believe they gave us his, <laughs> his rank in the military. Yeah, no. no, no I, I, I was just looking at this pussy on Maestro's wall. Uh, that's maybe, sorry. <laughs> it's a cat. It's a cat. It's, God. Uh, yeah, no, we all understood. Oh, for the audience, no, I get it. Yeah, I'm telling the audience, there's a cat. There was one on his lap, too, but cat, not pussy. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Welcome back to Random Acts yeah. of Spoilers. Uh, so that's something that's always kind of fascinated me with, with MMA. They, they are learning a lot of martial arts and having to mix them in their brain as things are happening. So as far as the training goes, that's got to be hard to make muscle memory. If the, if, if the person you're fighting against is switching tactics as well back and forth, you have to be able to switch in your brain to different defensive styles or how does that work? No, not necessarily. I mean, the styles themselves are also um, basically handicapped because you're only allowed uh, certain types of attacks in the MMA. That's well, there's uh, rules that you can, I cannot do for safety reasons and such and so forth. So basically some things that you can do in some in the, in the technique training for martial arts, you're not allowed to do in the octagon or whatever else cover you. So you're not allowed to do that, and that hinders you. So let's say, like for instance, Muay Thai, you're only allowed to do. You're not allowed to do like uh, say no look attacks, I guess, or something like that. So everything has to be at least, um, what's it called? Has to be like you have to. You, you can't do any like uh, spinning back elbows or something like that. I think I'm pretty I'm sure not exactly that, for the rules. I'm pretty sure I've seen that happen several times. I no, no, no. You have to be able to see it. You can't just go wildly, blindly, like, kicking or <laughs> hitting or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you have, to, you have to be able to see what you're hitting. You can't just be, like, uh, throwing, closing your eyes and throwing an elbow behind you and not knowing where the guy's at. So, okay. So you can do a so, lead style move where you're just spinning around, kicking things. She okay, so these are so these are the rules. <laughs> so these are the MMA rules. Okay, All right. no grabbing, no grabbing the fence, no holding opponent's shorts or gloves. So you can't do uh, applications for grappling in certain in certain ways. Um, you can you can't so you can't hold the 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 shorts itself or the gloves itself. You can hold the arms, elbows, and such and so forth. But the gloves themselves are a no go. No head butting. Uh, of course, no biting or spitting. That's normal. No hair pulling. No fish hooking. Uh, that kind of stuff where you use your fingers to take person's eyeballs out and then, oh, yeah. um, and no intentionally placing a finger into any orifice or into any cut or laceration of an opponent. No eye gouging or any kind. Um, uh, there's more, hold on. <laughs> I think we're getting off topic here. Uh, yeah. Well, bas- basically <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that there are some set rules that you don't allow. And a lot of times you have to grab the hand, or the wrist, at least, and those are part of the gloves, which are not allowed. Therefore, takes away a lot of grappling for stand-up martial arts in general. Um, yeah, I mean, it does uh, open up options for other types of martial arts, which is why they supplement with those styles instead. Um, so, so in this movie, Frank Martin would not be able to join the MMA because he was doing a lot of things that would have been. I mean, he used he used his long sleeve shirt to tie up three guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a no-go in the movie. I think he also then, did a, a, a ball check or two where he hit somebody right in the groin. Yeah. yeah the, the other thing is is I, I think when it comes to MMA-style fighting, you you usually 
uh, a fighter has what they specialize in. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what they will use most of the time. So you learn uh, these fighters study each other. And so like if they're fighting somebody that is uh, uh, for your jujitsu master and they're more kickboxing, they're going to do some basic studies on jujitsu to find out how to defend themselves and get back up and get out of things. But that's just so they have a knowledge of how to counteract certain things. They're not, learning jujitsu to actually use it. They're still going to use their, and vice versa. The other guy is like, Oh, this guy's a kickboxer. So I need to learn how to defend his kicks, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and try and get him down to the, the, the mat where I can shine in my jujitsu. Yeah. Right. And another thing about one of the major rules was what the cause of the problem was with most martial arts. There's no small joint manipulation. So only big joints are allowed to be manipulated. Anything small is right out. No throat attacks, no low. They say it's a strike or a elbow attack that's headed downwards. So that's out as well. So there's certain things you can and cannot do. Um, but hmm. it's... These must be new rules. Cause the UFC fights that I've seen, I've definitely seen guys with their elbows coming down on somebody's face. No, no, no. Uh, you, no you've seen them come across from left to right. You've never seen them come up to down. Oh, I see. Yeah, they 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 kind of do this bam like side a- to side type thing across their face, but not like boom smashing down. So it's more of a, a punch with my elbow instead of the people's elbow where it comes straight yeah, down exactly. on top of them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. rock would be rock would be uh, right completely right out okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of fighting scenes and fighting styles, I I'm curious uh specifically how Maestro took the fighting scene in the transmission fluid or oil oil grease whatever the hell that was uh, there's all <laughs> there's obviously there are liberties yeah first off even with those bicycle uh pedals on the bottom of his feet he would still be sliding around like crazy i had the same thought there's no way that's going to keep you up maybe a little bit yeah. more but not it it depends i mean if they're like spiked based well, if the, even if they're spiked base, but then that that concrete had to be rough asphalt. Yeah. So those spikes would have something to dig in. If exactly. it was if it was concrete, smooth concrete, no, he'd be slipping all over the place. There's nothing yeah. to bite in. That I agree with too. I mean, if it was that's that's the one thing about surfaces I agree with with, with Cowboy about that definitely. Um, but I have tried. What? I had I had some football cleats, and there was I was working over at a. At, um, <laughs> at a, a car shop at one point, and they had an oil spill of some sort, and I tried some stuff. Oh, my. Because of this movie? Oh, no, no, no. I just <laughs> need to know how it'll work out. Okay. So, so did you slide on your belly across the oil, like flying 50 miles an hour, <laughs> getting away from bullets firing at you? No, that that like I said, liberties, my friend, liberties. <laughs> that was that was the one scene that I was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of ridiculous, but uh, I'm gonna buy it because this movie is pretty cool. That whole scene to me was way out of control. Yeah, yeah. but it was also like, all right, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's see how they wow. do this. I, I guarantee you, this is just an idea somebody had. Like, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And like, all right, let's do it. I'm like, wow, come on. I mean, it still looks kind of cool, but. It's also re- wildly ridiculous. I did like how he tried to give himself an advantage by dumping the oil on himself 
to make himself slippery so they couldn't grab him. Yeah. But that also bothered me, though, because up until this point, everyone's trying to punch each other. And now that he's covered in oil, now they're trying to grab him. Like, what? <laughs> that's switching their fighting style to the least effective way that they can fight the guy. Now that he's covered in oil, now I want to grab him and throw him. But, but now I can't. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they thought I was taffy and me sticky. <laughs> well, at that, at that point, their, their, their fists didn't work anymore. So uh, oh. they needed to wait until their power regenerated so they can use their melee. Oh, I see. Well, one thing I did notice, though, when you are slippery, like from sweat or from other things, like such as blood, um, it actually does create a lubricant. So when they do punch you, you can slide off pretty well. <laughs> also, the, the, the hits aren't as effective? No, not as effective at all. Interesting. I guess that does make sense. The friction. It's, it's, I mean, you, you would basically literally have to be squared up with the guy. But if you punched and you were slightly at an angle, it would just graze off of them. Mm. There'd have to be a force behind it if you were to, like, uh, like a straight punch, but he was, like, slight off at an angle. It would just boing, boing, off of the different distance. Yeah, and also, spoilers goggles on, the, the bike that would have to have been in that vicinity for this to work effectively, as you we were saying, there are some bike pedals where you actually, like, clip in where it could yeah. be spiky. And mm-hmm. it, it might work for a bike that expensive. Hold on, a bike a bike that expensive to be in that area doesn't make sense. It's not just that, but I'm pretty sure those bikes that you clip your foot into, you have to wear special shoes yes. that has the bottom part that clips into the actual pedal. Also, yes, and those pe- those pedals that he had on his feet looked like they had straps going over his shoes. Yeah. So there's another type that happened for road bikes, uh, not too long ago, but definitely before clipping came into play. It was almost like a small, like mini booty that you would just put your shoe into. And that way, when you pressed up and down, it would still hold on to the shoe, but it would just hold on to the first part of the ball, the foot and stuff like that. And okay. I think that's what he used. It wasn't just like a full-on, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Football cleat or anything like that. Right. You need special I, shoes that locked into the pedal. You, exactly. Okay. Yeah, this, one, this, one, this one is just basically like a booty that's made out of metal. Okay. But e- even so, if somebody's working at a construction site of that nature, they're not riding that kind of bike to the construction site. In France, they might be. I mean, come on. <laughs> Tour de France. <laughs> I mean, so somebody biking... is in the Tour de France that also has a side job as a construction worker. No, no, well, no. no but I'm, back I'm... there, they they do ride a lot more bikes than we do here in America. Yeah, and that specific booty spaced bike is common uh, t- at the time. Oh. Was commonly used. All right. Because this is before clipless came into play. I'll take a word for it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Was it just me, or did it sound like every time the uh, the French guy was? Yeah, I liked him. Was on. He, I, I like this character. I did enjoy it. And also, uh, what you, you say? What's your name was? It's not sushi. Is it sushi? Shu. Shu. Not not sushi. H S U C H I. No, it's Q I S H U. I know. I'm telling you how to pronounce it. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, anytime she was on screen and the French guy was on screen, it sounded like it was dubbed. And yeah, her English isn't that good. Right. 
but also the French dude. It, 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 it kind of it bumped me. And I, I remember thinking that the very first time I watched it, too, that Jason Statham speaking in a regular-sounding voice, and then when the French guy replies, the words match up to his lips, but the sound... And I'm audiophile, so this, this kind of stuff bothers the hell out of me. I could tell they were not using the same mics and not recorded at the same time in the same environment. This was recorded after the fact, which... It just it didn't it confused me. Why would they need it's, to re-record his voice later? I think the reason why they did it was because maybe in his original accent it was a little bit too difficult to understand or portray on film that they had to redub over with a little bit more pronunciation. Okay, I'm sure that's true. It just it it, it bumps me. It bothers me. Those kinds of, of things. Of course. The, the only thing the, the only thing I have to say uh, well not the only thing I have to say about this movie but one of the things <laughs> I have to say about this movie is. Um, and I don't know. I haven't seen any of them, so I haven't seen Transporter Two or Eighteen or whatever. Um, <laughs> do they ever get into his backstory, his military backstory? I mean, we know he's ex-military. I would like to have a little bit more backstory to know what he specialized in, because did he specialize in everything? Because this guy did. Think about it. He goes to. France or wherever he's at, Europe, Italy, France, wherever, and he buys this house on the coast, and he has this like crate dungeon that goes into the ocean. Like he had all this stuff set up for this. Like behind the behind the curio cabinet or uh, uh, nook was a bulletproof wall. And that's where he stood, where they were firing at the whole house because he knew he wasn't going to get hurt there. So like. He built this house or had this house reinforced for that reason. Did he go there to like, did he go there to set up this shop and do this transporter stuff? Like that was his specialty in the military or did he happen to just go there and go, Hmm, I need to find a way to make money. Oh, I can, uh, I, I'm a courier guy now. Oh, oh wait, man. I can make more money by carrying stuff anonymously, you know, questionable stuff. I don't remember that much of the stories from the next couple of movies. Have you seen the next couple of Maestro? All I remember is they changed the guy like in one of the films and I just couldn't like handle it. Changed the guy. It wasn't Jason Satham? Yeah, hold on, let me double check, but let me see which one it was. Hold on. Uh, pretty I, I do remember that the next couple there's I think there's four total and one of them came out more recently than the rest. I I, I would assume they do get back more of his backstory, but I remember the the stunts and the things they try to pull off, much like this grease pit fight, they escalate excessively to the point where at one point somebody puts a bomb under his car and he's driving and he hits a ramp in such a way that the car flips upside down and a crane, a nearby crane, hits the bomb off the bottom of the car as it's flying in air. And then he levels out and continues driving. I'm like, what the... Yeah, I saw. I think I saw Transporter one and two. I uh, didn't really care for three because I didn't really bother to watch it because there's other good stuff movies coming out. And then they switched to this new guy in number four, and I was like, okay, I've had enough. I don't care. Okay. Uh, um, they 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 must get into some backstory. They would have to. But then yeah. again, I mean, if, if you're going you to a movie like this, the, you don't care as much. You think about the Fast and Furious movies; they got more and more ridiculous as they went along, but mm-hmm. they were still good. Yeah, that's weird. It's very. And uh, they got more and more like superhero-y. Yeah, yeah. 
but but they didn't go so far as like Die Hard did, uh, where now it's you you are a superhero. It was more well, they, they did they they but I, I, with Fast and the Furious, I think they pushed the limits a little and little more and more. They 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 brought the lobster to a boil, whereas in Die Hard they just boiled the water and then threw the lobster in. Dude, they die, they 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 went past Die Hard after like Tokyo Drift, man. No, it was, I think it was five is when there was like all bets are off. <laughs> Nothing sure? else. Okay, what happened in what happened in Fast and Furious three? Three was Tokyo Drift. Okay, past Tokyo Drift. I'm talking about after Tokyo Drift. There's you fast, had, you fast had, one, fast uh, two, two, drift. Oh, you're talking about four? Well, te- yeah. technically, yeah. Tokyo Drift You had was... some cars uh, racing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, yeah. I guarantee you we'll come back to a Fast and the Furious movie at some point, and then we'll dive into what the hell yeah. happened in those movies. It'll probably be Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. All right. Okay. Ryan Reynolds so, is in it. Oh. <laughs> really? God damn it! I've had the movie for so long. I haven't watched it yet. Now, now I'm going to because just because of Ryan Reynolds. All right. Uh, okay, let's go back to uh, <laughs> to Frank and his uh, ultra calculations about things. He calculates everything. He knows how everything's going to exactly. work. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. He calculated everything, including what would happen if he got like taken out at the house. Right, but what he didn't calculate very well is, hey, this girl needs to pee. I, uh, in order to make sure ah. she doesn't run away, I'm going to tie a rope around her neck and then just let her walk away. Well, yeah, because he didn't calculate the fact that he had to open up the bag to begin with. It wasn't calculated. But he had the rope. He had a plan. He just didn't think, oh, oh she, he's, she can he's untie got, it. <laughs> he's got utensils and stuff and tools and stuff in the trunk of his car. I mean – He's that calculated. He knows what he should have and shouldn't have in his car. And so he had this rope. But, yeah, he did, A, that it wasn't even tied really tight around her neck. Like, it was, it wasn't, it was loosely, like, slip knotted around her neck. Like, yeah. there's no way he could have felt if she untied it. Yes, yeah, so that was a huge faux pas on his part. For everything that he does well and can see ahead of time. That was a huge outside of the character type of thing for me. First of all, no, no, you're not wandering off. You pee right here. And right? I, yeah, I have the rope. I still, I'm still going to tie you up, but you're going to pee right here, and then we're going to move along. I think that was probably paying homage to the fact that he was looked at as a gentleman. He was a gentleman. He was trying to portray himself as a gentleman. Like, okay, you need to pee. Fine. For my protection, I'm putting this rope around you. Go. You got one minute, you know? Yeah. Go just, behind the bush over there. So I don't see. I'm I'm going to be a gentleman. Because even when she was like in that one scene where she was taking her clothes off after they got out of the, the ocean and they're in some stranger's house looking for dry clothes, he turned around and said, whoa, like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, he was taken back by that. It's like, dude, come on. You knew you were going to fuck her. But that part at least makes more sense to me because in – you can be prepared for battle, but doesn't mean you're prepared for womanly things. So he, I, I can see getting caught off guard by something like that, but not, I'm going to let my prisoner temporarily leave. I've already broken a rule because he looks at the package, first of all. So I feel like I should be on extra high alert because of that to make sure everything continues the way it should go. And then to just block out everything else. And now, and also he cut the, the tape 
that would be a dead giveaway when she gets back to them. Hey, why is that tape cut? We didn't. Well, see, cut the... I thought about this. I thought about this very <laughs> carefully. Okay. Uh, when they got the package out of the trunk, it was still zipped up. They didn't see the tape. The guy who was getting the package delivered was skeptical of him. He's that type of person. He's very skeptical of everybody. He doesn't trust anybody. But he likes that guy. He, he likes, likes that, that guy. guy, right? But that was he's like, I like him, you know? So they hired him to deliver that package, which we know now is a bomb, okay? Mm-hmm. He detonated it when he found out that he opened the package. It was supposed, I believe... If they re- they believed he didn't open that package and didn't know and didn't see what was in the bag, hmm. you know, they wouldn't have detonated it. He would have delivered it. But it went off and they set it off. It was a remote access. When they found out that he actually did open the package, they didn't know he opened the package until they let her out and found the slit in the tape. Okay. Which is stupid. Stupid. Why would you slight, put a slit in the tape? But they'd be taking the tape off and on later, you know, like exactly. What's the point? He he must have duct tape in the trunk. He must <laughs> take no, that off, replace he, it with a new one. Well, yeah, he must have duct tape. But I have duct tape in my trunk. I'm not a transporter. Well, no, no, not only that. Well, you, your other things. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you're taking it off and on, and it's sticking. It does lose its sticking if stickiness because the oils on your face and everything like that. But He's taking it off and on for a long time now. You, when you take it off the first time, it's not going to stick that well every time you stick it on. So what was the point? There was no point in putting a slice in that tape. No, there wasn't. It was, And it, that probably ultimately is what got him caught was because it was a slice. All right. Uh, and then the, so the bomb blows up and he's, he's basically his life is saved because he needs an extra Pepsi. This is the only reason he's alive. He's walking to the car. You know what? I think I need the Pepsi. Yeah, I'm thirsty. And then that's when the bomb blows up. And okay, now you guys are all screwed. Uh, goes back to the house. Uh, steals the car. Beats everybody up. And then leaves. And the girls in the car. Blah, blah, blah. Storyline. Now the house. When the house gets attacked... This is another issue I had with the movie. He's sitting there, or he's standing there with the girl, and uh, it's it's too quiet. Yeah. I, I don't know what he's not hearing that sets him off, but something's about to happen. And then a missile is fired. birds and stuff like that. Yeah, but the, the presence of people shuts the birds up? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you go into a backyard, that has a whole bunch of birds. When you go out there, the birds are going to fly away. Yeah. Either they fly away or they just stop. Like crickets, they'll stop yeah. when they get close. Yeah. Okay. Fine. The, the, the part that bothered me, and this is me nitpicking and spoilers goggling, I'm, I'm sure. Wait, Rock- hold on a second. Before you nitpick on further. Okay. Is this the first time you actually heard about the fact that the things get silent when people come around and things go weird? I mean, this is like probably like the umpteenth time. I understood. But from the distance that they were at... I don't think it would affect the noises that he would hear. I guess is what it comes down to. It, it seems well, I guess. they were far enough away that it wouldn't have disturbed the birds that live all over his property, I guess. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you think about it, though, if if you're used to hearing, uh, if you live in a place and you're used to certain sounds, for instance, uh, if you listen, if you live in a place where you're used to um, the house shaking and really loud noises <laughs> because there's a train going by in your house, you, you, you kind of know those sounds. You kind of know those noises, right? Yeah. If a train didn't come by for hours after hours, and it's normally when trains come by, wouldn't you think something's odd? Something's off. I, I, I guess amiss? so. And actually, this is weird. This has happened. This happened this last weekend. Uh, I had somebody over to the house, uh, and they heard a train off in the distance, and I never heard that train. <laughs> they asked me, "Are you close to a train track?" Um, there is one a couple miles that way, but you can't hear from here. And then, oh, yeah, I guess you can hear. I can here. hear. I, I live down the hill from you. You're 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 up the top of the hill. Sorry, I bow to you. Um, <laughs> I I hear them in the distance, and I'm I'm closer to the train tracks than you are. Yes, I'm no, about but, a mile away from. But home. before I lived here, I lived on the train tracks. So yeah, pretty much <laughs> so almost the, under. Yeah. The, the house shaking and the sounds that was, yes, I know a train's here. Now that I'm over here, if I, if the house isn't shaking, there's no train. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so you got so used to the noise, yeah. <laughs> the feel. Well, I, I don't, I don't hear it. You know, I mean, even when the back doors open, I, I don't hear it, but you know, my son goes, what's that noise? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, that noise. I'm like, oh, that's a train. He's like, we live by train tracks. I'm like, well, it's a mile away. You hear it in the distance, but I've never paid any attention to it because it's not like yeah. in the forefront, right in front of you. Then again, we don't have military training and are transporting uh, people for a living and pay attention to those kinds of things. Speak for yourself. Cowboy's my alter ego. Oh. All right. So. I was at Power Rangers before. <laughs> Which color? Rainbow. I was about. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna guess pink. Uh, uh, so I want. I was going. That's my pink. favorite color. <laughs> pink is my favorite obsession. Sorry. Pink and it was love at first. All right. <clears throat> so there was the the whole the house the house getting attacked bothered me tremendously. It feels like it. I mean, this is like about twenty minutes in, and you're still talking about the house. We, you sidetracked me. You said you said if you were, I don't. Doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Rocky gets fired at the house. Explosion. Cut to the people outside the house opening cases and getting machine guns out. If you're about to fire a rocket at a house, shouldn't those guns already be out, ready, drawn, and prepped? Fine. We'll look past that. They now start firing at the house. They're trying to scramble around inside. Uh, and then we're not sure if we killed them because we can't see them. So now let's use this giant shark rocket. Why don't you start with that? They shot three rockets at the house. Let's be honest. Yes. But why do you need to shoot hundreds of rounds of bullets into a house? If you're just going to explode the fucking house up with three rockets it, or, or cause the last rocket seemed to me to be the, uh, the, the grand finale. It was a giant rocket that exploded the entire house. <clears throat> so if you start with that, you need only one person to go. Maybe the animals and the birds and the insects won't be quiet if one person's there. 
and there's a thousand people firing guns and multiple smaller rockets versus this one rocket that explodes the entire house. Why not start with a big rocket? Because it has to do with the ego of the guy. The ego of the guy wanted to make sure he was dead because they tried to kill him before and he came back and he wanted to see for himself and he wanted to be part of it. And he wanted, it was an ego trip. Look what I got. I got all these guns. I said, don't fuck with me. I'm going to kill you. You're dead. So what you're trying to say is the guy that brought out the, the rocket launcher was the guy that uh, was only allowed with the rocket launcher because he liked the rocket launcher. I don't know. It it, it seems excessive. Well, oh, come on, man. I mean, the, the, the first time you meet the guy, like, I like him. He's already excessive to begin with. Oh, yeah. He's way over the top. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, he wouldn't expect it not to happen. I mean, it was pretty much like set in stone from the very beginning. Yeah. All right. Let's move on a little bit further into the movie. Uh, other things happen. It's fantastic. They have a grease fight. We did that already. Uh, now, the, uh, there's, there's a part where he uses a human shield as he's getting shot at and then falls out the back of a window into the water. Uh, this is after the grease fight. Yes. So now he's underwater, getting shot at from above now. By And he, has this, he still has this other corpse he's using as a body shield that has been riddled with bullets. He then uses the oxygen... From this corpse to get, he like he he, he uh, reverse CPR sucks, sucks out his last breath. Right. If he's riddled with holes already and dead, I don't think there's air in the oxygen anymore. There still could be air in the lungs. Um, it's, I mean, like if it was punctured, it still would be in the cavity, probably. I mean, I mean, you if you don't, um, if you're not careful with a body creates gas and holds air in anyways. Yeah, I mean, not only that, holes. but I don't think your lungs are like a balloon where it gets shot and goes <laughs> <laughs> and no, it escapes it, like no, that. It doesn't go it goes, oh, water and blood seeping in. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know enough about this <laughs> except for the fact the way the lungs work. Um, if a lung is punctured, the air will reach into the chest cavity and and uh, it will uh, flatten the lungs, creating an air pocket. Um, that's my guess. Why that, that's the reason why what you do is when you have a person with a deflated lung, you have uh, you have them take a syringe and suck out the air so the inflation of the lung can happen again. But, it, but that is because the body is still working and trying to inflate the lung. That's why that when is, you create a hole, it your body is doing the work to reinflate it again. Oh, I understand, but I see with there's a air in the in the chest cavity already from the deflation of the lung itself from being no longer available. It's possibility, but I it's a far fetched to begin with. There's plenty of uh, ventilation in the lungs from all the bullets and now the water surrounding it. It's, yeah, well, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know exactly. I don't think water rushes in like they do if it was glass. I'm not exactly sure how it works. All I know is that when you do shoot somebody, it doesn't exactly create a hole that can get air to go in and out. I just I don't see that happening because it cover it, the flesh cloak covers in behind it unless it's exploded from 
on like a short round where everything just goes everywhere. I mean, I, like, I, I was kind of a little bothered with this scene too, but I also was intrigued by it because at first when he did that, I, <laughs> when he, he first did that, I thought guy? he was kissing the guy saying, <laughs> thank you for being my shield. <laughs> But then I, I realized he was kissing him for a long time, and then you see him kind of like sucking the air, and I was like, "That's intriguing." It was. It didn't bother me. It was intriguing to the point of, could that actually work? It, exactly. It was fascinating, but then everything else creeped in. Like I think his lungs would be collapsed. There'd be holes in the lungs. It'd be full of liquids and not oxygen. But it, it's it, it's smart. It's it, it's a smart thing to do. If it actually could work, and I'm not a botanist, so I don't know if it actually could work, but maybe we'll talk to one someday. So anyway, he escapes, and now he's going to come back for revenge. He knows where the girl is in a truck of some kind, so he now skydives onto a truck, which has his issues, but let's not focus on them. The, the, the other biggest problem is when he fights with the main bad guy, the one that likes him. I like this guy. They're fighting in the cab of the truck as it's speeding down the highway. Unless this truck has the best, and not only the best, but also a computer-generated AI system to control the alignment of this truck, there's no way the truck could have kept going. There was even points where one of them reached out and grabbed the wheel for stabilization to pull themselves back up from whatever they were doing, which would have turned the truck completely off track and way off the road. And there's reclining. Uh, this, this cab. Depending, d- depending on where you grab the wheel. If you're grabbing it to pull yourself up, you're turning it. If, I, I guess if you grab it at the top, maybe. I, I'm pretty sure it was at the side at multiple points. Just that, that that whole fight scene to me was was wildly unbelievable. But uh, at this point, we've we've already seen him grease fighting and all these other things. So who cares? Oh, but then also at one point, uh, the guy pulls what I assume is the emergency brake that throws him out of the car and then releases the brake, which then makes the car go faster. I think they, they confuse this car with a cockpit in which you are accelerating and decelerating and then he's under the truck uh, the, the whole semi fight scene and everything I, I, I didn't like at all and then it ends they're at a cliff area and now Statham's about to die because the, the, the father of the girl is there with a gun you see him grab a rock and then he's at gunpoint with a rock in his hand behind his back and doesn't get used. So what was the point of that rock? What was the point of the, all of that? I think it was uh, suspense. I, I think it was – I think it, that, that scene was made to throw you off. Like you're expecting him to do something with that rock. And it was trying to throw you off like you weren't expecting the, the girl to shoot her father. They, they tried to make it suspenseful because they, there was gunfire and she's screaming in the background, right? Off camera and another spot by the car. So it's almost like they were trying to lead you to believe that she was killed or shot. 
Right. And then he was going to do something with this rock. And then she ends up killing the father. It was supposed to, I think they were trying to make it this holy shit moment, you know, like, and it, yeah, no, I saw it coming a mile away. That, that scene is so overplayed in every movie ever where, Oh, I'm about to get shot. You hear the gunshot. And then the person behind him is revealed. Oh no, no, I'm the one that fired the shot. It's, it's, they they need to stop doing those in movies. It's it's too it's too it's too much. It's too much. It's too predictable. Yeah, it's it's been done too many times. I want to see a movie where that scene happens. Uh, you hear the gunfire, and then everybody falls over because they all shot each other at the same time, <coughs> and nobody survives. <laughs> then oh, that was in uh, X Men. Uh, was it one Days of Future Past? What what scene is that? I don't remember that scene. The Quicksilver scene, man. Oh, yeah, no, okay, but Quicksilver survives and every, all the good guys survived. What I'm saying is there's a face-off, a guy's about to kill a guy, and you hear a gunshot, and the person that was supposed to die maybe stands for a second. The person that shot the gun falls over because they got shot in the back, and then the person that was supposed to get shot also was shot because you didn't fire soon enough, and then everybody's dead. I, I, I don't. I'm tired of the. I thought I was gonna die. I survived because somebody else got shot from the back. It's it's overdone. Just, let's get over it. <sighs> all right, guys. Those are all my notes. You got anything else you want to add? Um. Though you kind of like. I think we covered pretty much everything in the movie. Um. I enjoyed it. To be quite honest, yeah, I enjoyed the action. Uh, I mean, I think Jason Statham is fucking badass in his fights, even though some of the fights seemed a little choreographed. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially now, knowing that he did all of that himself. I mean, I, I liked the adventure. I mean, even some of the hokey storyline, it was it was kind of cool. Yeah, Maestro, any final thoughts? Honestly, to tell you the truth, the film itself is dated. I've seen plenty of these types of tropes in the other films. I mean, it's it's corny for the some fight scenes. I'm like, oh, that was funny with the oil. Oh, that was funny with the bike. Okay, I get it. Um, it's good for what it was, but in itself, it's not a a list movie anymore. In, the, in how it feels, um, I would definitely say comedy, yeah, comedy drama, comedy action. Almost. Yeah. But th- that's the thing, too, though. I think at the time, this movie was, I don't want to say groundbreaking because that's heaping too much praise. But we hadn't seen movies like this as much as we do now. So at the first time watching it, it was like, wow, this is great. I haven't seen anything like this. And now it's done so much that looking back, it's you can't appreciate it as much. I'm glad you were still able to appreciate it, Cowboy. But for me, it's it was it's it'd be kind of like going back. Uh, this is the same argument I have with Arrested Development, which is a, a comedy show that I I can't get into because when it first came out, it was the first of its kind, and there's been so many copycats since then that have done it, uh, have, have taken what they did and improved upon it, and those are good shows. Going back to that, it seems like you're parroting these shows and you're not doing a very good job. But they were there first, and it's not fair, and it sucks. So that's well, yeah, kind that's, of that's, is. That's the hard thing about doing a movie review show 
now on older movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Transporter came out in 2002, yeah, I was. this was probably a badass fucking movie. Absolutely it was. You know, it was like, ah, uh, and then you go watch it. I mean, it's it's sort of like when I saw Howard the Duck the first time, that was, <laughs> woo, uh, that was a great movie, you know? Howard the Duck, by the way, in the archives, you reviewed it recently if you want to check that episode out. There's many movies. No, you pick many movies we've done yeah. where we've liked the movie the first time we saw it. But that was back in 2002 or 1990-something, you know, yeah. where that was practically groundbreaking, you know? Yep. I mean, you, you haven't seen movies like that. And now we're older. We've seen all these movies. We've seen movies like this. It's like it's, it's like seeing a, a Bloodsport or, you know. Yeah. It, it, that was badass. Uh, we've seen a lot better movies now that have been the same premise. So it's like kind of. That's, that's the good and bad thing about movies in general and, and the way things have been going uh, moving forward. At the time, there wasn't a lot of options. Now, there's unlimited options, so the quality is going way up. So we're seeing a bunch of good movies now based on this, on these shitty movies from back in the day, and they're improving upon everything, and now they know how to make good movies based on the same exact thing that we've seen growing up. And now looking back at them, now they suck because we've perfected it. For instance, the first Mortal Kombat... I was so excited to see that. Oh, my God. Great movie. I loved it, right? It's like, oh, it's cool. I don't know how much of that was nostalgia because I played the game growing up, and I was just excited to see that. But the new Mortal Kombat kicks the shit out of that one. That's what I keep hearing. I have yet to watch it, but you and Mishra both uh, watched it. So you want to give a, a little mini review oh, of Mortal Kombat? Okay. Okay, uh, uh, Cowboy, I would like you to go first because I will ruin you. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. I already know your take on it. Uh, I, I don't know much of the storyline when it comes to Mortal Kombat. Uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it as a comparable movie to the original Mortal Kombat. I liked the gore that was in it. Um, oh, there's gore? I liked, nice. Oh, dude. I mean, the, the yeah, dude. It's freak, People get sawed in half. It's fucking badass. Uh, it, I I like. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't care what Maestro has to say about it. He, <laughs> he can be critical about it all he wants. I mean, that's why everybody has their own opinions. I I want to watch it again just because. Shoot, I, I loved it. All right, Maestro, what do you got to say? I like the story. Okay, so the story itself. Uh, interesting take on it because like in the first film it was all about like following the rules mortal Kombat, every generation blah 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 now also, in, by the way with, without spoilers oh yeah just, just overall thoughts about it oh crap okay <laughs> um okay this this takes away a lot of what i said okay all right um the action sequences were okay i mean they were gory they were more in depth than the originals and I found that that was the 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 things that they would do for each character I enjoyed because it was yes it was a little bit of a different of a take on how you would expect their character to be but there was enough uh uh what's it called fan service to see that 
that's what they were going for, and that's a nice rendition. That's interesting. Oh, okay. I didn't like the storyline. I thought it was flaccid, honestly. So for a non-Mortal Kombat playing person, do you think they would enjoy this movie? Not unless they like gore. Okay. And for a Mortal Kombat liking person? I'd say this is a lot of fun. It takes you back, and it gives you something to look forward to. Because I mean, I wasn't... I'm not a follower of the story of Mortal Kombat, but I played the game when it came out and I knew the game was gory to begin with. And I think that's what I wanted to see more of from the first movie. And you didn't see it where in this movie, I want to spoil it for Adam, but I can't (laughs) because I want him to watch it. But how Jack, I am going to watch it. For sure. How Jax gets his metal arms and why he gets his metal arms. That was an amazing scene. That's the thing I think was missing because we just did a Mortal Kombat Annihilation uh, a week or so ago. Uh, a couple weeks. It doesn't matter. And all the Mortal Kombat, uh, all of them, the, 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 the first two from back in the day that we saw, it seemed like they were trying to make a PG version of Mortal Kombat which you can't do if you're doing Mortal Kombat. The whole thing about Mortal Kombat is it is gory and it is dark and disturbing. And those movies were not. So, so if, this, this if, if this movie is, then I'm in. So yeah, it, it's gory, disturbing, exactly what uh, Cowboy was talking about. Uh, the fight scenes were fun. Um, gory is all hell. Uh, there was some really cool renditions um, for fans and non-fans alike. Um, but and the premise of the story is interesting. Um, what De- what Cowboy was saying was that there was the way, like how Jack's got his arms, right, Cowboy? Yeah, yeah. Yes. That was that was I, I think interesting, but I also find that the overall story was kind of like lackluster. I, I would say that even not being a Mortal Kombat storyline fanatic, that it it also seemed like like the other movies. They were trying to cram so much into one movie. Like they literally probably could have taken this movie and made two movies and gotten more detailed in the storyline. But this is a setup for the second movie. That much I know. I, I do know that this is a setup for another movie because the the end is not the end of this world. So just yes. based based on what I've heard, this probably should have been a an Amazon or Netflix series that got drawn out over ten episodes to do the yeah. full story versus trying to make a movie. Oh yeah, most definitely. I, I mean, I, I it wasn't as bad as the Mortal Kombat we did a couple weeks ago, where it was like <laughs> kind of like poof, and then they were there, and then they were. It wasn't that bad, <laughs> okay. but you can tell that they were trying to cram a lot of storyline in this amount of time. Okay. Well, uh, I look forward to having talks with you after I watch the movie. Oh, yeah. But for now, let's move on to the rest of the show. Oh, we are? Yeah. So uh, we we talked about the transporter. We talked about all the things that we liked and disliked, but those are only our opinions. Like I said, at the top of the show, we have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. Now we're going to hear from people who actually have credentials and critics. We'll also hear from the audience. I'm going to give you two reviews from the top critics and two reviews from the audience. And this hopefully will help you in the game we're going to play later with the Rotten Tomatoes scoring system. So let's do, uh, let's start with the bad reviews. 
We'll start with the audience this time. Grant K from 2016. What seemed like a fun, what seemed like fun in 2002 now comes off as creepy and banal. It's hard to root for a main character that has no regard for human life, morals, and who participates in human trafficking. His character also comes off as a socially stunted, well, well oh, no, nope. socially stunted would-be rapist. And this movie is set in the heart of upper-class France. Why the fuck is everyone speaking English? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, True Dirt F from 2010. Statham's acting is mediocre. All he does is act like a tough guy who can do it all. How hard is that? Not hard if Seagal can do it. <laughs> the action has been seen before in pretty much every other action film. Guns, explosions, fighting, and more guns. What's new? The plot is mediocre. Just a typical action movie plot. The only thing that makes the transporter stand out is the car chase scenes. The car chase scenes were well executed and keep this movie from being a total failure. All right. The audience. Good reviews. Stephen B. from 2020. Absolutely awesome action flick. One of the reasons 2002 to 2003 were just great years for movies. Maybe the best car chase scenes as a starting point, but more importantly, a fast-paced and intelligent plot with enough twists. V, well-directed and executed. There's a reason Statham became a household name after this one. I think, I think the V stood for very, I think very well-directed and executed. That's all right. I agree. Maybe the copy and paste didn't work. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jada Pie C from 2010. Terrific action film. I love the transporter's rules. One, once the deal is made, it cannot be changed. Two, no names. Three, never look in the package. Four, never be blinded by personal feelings. Five, always finish with a kill. But in this film, he seems to break them all, which ends up in him having fights, which are at times stupid. It's him against 10 of the guys, but for some reason, it's one of the times where you can fight him, leaving the rest of the guys moving about bizarrely. Good watch anyway. <laughs> All right. That was a five-star review. Uh, okay. So, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. This is the part of the show where I give you guys a chance to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score. If you're not familiar with the scoring system, it's an average score from 0 to 100 amongst the critics and the audience. 0 to 59 is rotten, 60 to 84 is fresh, 85 and up certified fresh. Based on those two good and bad reviews from the audience, what do you think the audience rated this movie? I'll let you go first there, Maestro. Very good, sir. I shall go for 37. 32. Oh, my. The audience has this movie as fresh. Oh, wow. 73. Wow. The exact opposite of Maestro's, 37. Mm-mm-mm. All right. <laughs> Top critics. He's, he's dyslexic, dude. Oh, right. I forgot to take that into account. Uh, good reviews from the top critics from Empire Magazine from 2003. Statham impresses in a movie that is simultaneously the best, the fight scenes, and worst, everything else. Action movie of the year. Destined for drunken Friday night rental heaven. Elnor Ringel from Atlantic Journal-Constitution from 2002. The chases and explosions get a little, well, more than a little, ludicrous. 
But the cool premise is still very cool. Bad reviews from the top critics. This is from Time Out from 2006. The acting may be shoddy, the plot nonsense, and the dialogue clunky, but the fighting is exquisitely done. Inattentive, athletic, fun, stylish, and tight. It's everything the rest of the film isn't. Uh, Merritt Ingham from the Austin Chronicle from 2003. Like the longest BMW feature Guy Ritchie never made, this action yarn is a slick, sexy little package with fast cars, big explosions, dazzling locations in, south, in the south of France, a trip-hop score, and about as much plot to fill a thimble. All right, good and bad reviews from the top critics. What do you think they rated this movie on Rotten Tomatoes? Your turn, cowboy. Uh, 65. Ooh, a strong number. Uh, 73, 65. I would say 70. The critics rated this movie rotten at 54%. Wow. Splitting the difference, you guys. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were not in this film. We like to play this little game where we put Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman in the movie, replacing other characters, because generally they make movies better. So if you had to take somebody out of this movie and replace them with Paul Giamatti or Gary Oldman, who would it be? Uh, offhand? I, I didn't really think about this one when I was watching the movie, to be quite honest with you. But Gary Oldman, I would have as the bad guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Paul Giamatti, I would have as the inspector general cop dude. All right. <laughs> mm. You see, for me, I'd go the exact opposite because I feel like Giamatti. No, <laughs> yeah, Giamatti, yeah. Yeah, Giamatti, you got it right this time. Look at you. (laughs) I feel like Giamatti would have much more of a cartoony, uh, crazy, uh, funny guy for a bad guy because I've seen him do it in the past. And the last time I saw um, Oldman do that in, I think it was uh, The Hitman's Bodyguard, it just kind of felt wrong. I'd like to see him more. He plays better serious at roles, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm with the May Show with this one. And I, I think it's because of Shoot 'em Up, where Giamatti basically did play the bad guy. And he did it so well. But it was supposed to be a comedy. And Gary Oldman, as the French detective, uh, he could do the accent. He could do the whole, he can embody it all. But yeah, those aren't real characters you can take out. Like I said, I didn't put too much thought into it. You know, every single time I forget about this until I start reading it. Then I, I'm like, oh shit, I got to figure this out in my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's I'm, exactly I'm what I did this time. Normally, normally I'm on it. I'm like watching the movie, trying to think of who I would want to put in there. <laughs> and I usually come up with good ones because I'm thinking about it throughout the whole movie. But this one, this time, I totally forgot. You know, I think uh, before we start recording, I'm going to remind you guys, Paul Giamatti, Gary Oldman. That's all. And then get, then we'll get into the podcast so we can be ruminating. All right, now it's time for trivia. It's part of the show where I give you guys little bits of facts or information you may not know about the movie. I already told you about his martial arts stuff, so... The trailer for this film showed Frank deflecting a missile with a tea tray. In the same scene in the film, The Assault on Frank's House, there is no sign of this in the released version. 
it was taken out because Jason Statham requested that it be taken out because he didn't think audiences would believe it. But the Grease fight scene, believable. Okay. In the original, in the original conception of the movie, Frank was gay. The love scene with uh, Kui Shu was added specifically to draw attention away from any potential remaining vestiges of that aspect in the script. I can see that. They probably filmed part of it and then decided, let's not make him gay, but we already filmed those parts. We'll just make him have sex with the chick and then they won't think he's gay. Matt Schulz appeared in this film after he appeared in The Fast and the Furious. So the main bad guy was one of the guys in Dom's crew. I don't know if you recognize him. He's kind of the dicky guy that was giving uh, Paul... Oh, Paul... Walker. Paul Walker. He was always giving Paul Walker shit at the beginning of uh, Fast and Furious. That was this bad guy. Anyway, he went on to then reprise his role in Fast Five 2011. Jason Statham plays the villain in The Furious 7 in 2015. So they're back at it again. Money Makes the World Go Round. We want to put this film into perspective with other films that were released this year so we get a feel financially how it held up to its peers. The budget for this film, $21 million. What do you think this gross worldwide in the U.S. and foreign box offices combined? Ooh. Uh, seeing how it got a 73 on the Rotten Tomato scores for the audience, um, 89. $89 million, all right. Maestro? 120. Well, they got my seven dollars. Uh, <laughs> in the U.S., this grossed twenty-five point three million dollars. In the foreign box office, it grossed eighteen point six million. Wow! Total worldwide gross is forty-three point nine. I am so off today. Mm-hmm. I swept the board. All right. <laughs> First time in a long time that's happened. Right. This film debuted on October 11, 2002 with $9.1 million. This was the 103rd highest-grossing film of 2002. Number one that year was, I think, the first time on the big screen that we saw the Speederman. What? you talking about the, like, uh, what's his name? Tobey Maguire Toby Speederman? Maguire, yes. I believe that was the, the Speederman. Uh, Spider-Man, I'm sorry. I have misread it. Okay. <laughs> Oops. You may have noticed a time or two that one of us, mostly me, has made some kind of error during the podcast. So to make myself feel better, I'm going to tell you a few times where the movie also made some kind of error because Poe Buddy's perfect. At the start of the oil scene in the bus depot, one of the first people to attack Frank already has oil on his top before anyone lands in any oil. This is probably because it was from an earlier take. The hole in Lau's duct-taped mouth disappears and reappears between shots. Sloppy. During the truck chase, the convoy runs the same section of highway over and over again. I didn't catch that one. When Frank is talking to Inspector Marconi, Marconi refers to his car as a 1999 black BMW 765. But when Frank talks about it later, he refers to it as a 735. I don't know what the difference is between 
those cars. Say the numbers again. Seven sixty five and seven thirty five. Okay, I think it's just. I think honestly, seven thirty five and sixty five are just like um, models, like uh, type A or type B. I'm guessing, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't matter. That was the transporter from two thousand two, directed by Louis Leterrier and Corey Yoon. Check out our website, ratpackpodcast.com slash spoilers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Spoiler Show. Check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rat Pack Productions. Write to us via email at spoilers at ratpack.productions for any questions, opinions, and movie requests. Please also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so it helps in the rankings. If you leave us a review and a recommendation, that movie goes to the top of our list. Watch it before any other movie. Next week, a movie that was directed by Zack Snyder, about a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas comes out. A group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted in Army of the Dead. And this has uh, Bautista, which uh, was in Guardians of the Galaxy as... Uh, not Kronk. Damn it. Shax? Drax. Whatever. So... We're going to watch a different Zack Snyder movie that also deals with zombies. I believe this is the movie that put Zack Snyder on the map from 2004. Dawn of the Dead. Wait. Dawn of the Dead, like the original Dawn of the Dead? Nope. 2004's Dawn of the Dead. This one has uh, Marcellus Wallace uh, in it and Mackay Pfeiffer and some other people. Everybody's taking refuge in a mall, basically. I know you've seen it. We, I, I'm sure you've seen it, Mishra. But, yeah. So, watch Dawn of the Dead for next week's episode. Until next time, I am Adam. I am... What? Until next time, I am Adam. There's Mishra and Cowboy. See you next time. Bye! <laughs> what? <laughs>